0: welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And uh, we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at at amazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Thank you. Dear friends, it was my father's birthday recently so I went to the store in order to pick out a birthday card. Don't know if you're in this practice. And I had this debate. Do I go sentimental or do I go humorous? We happen to be in a store called Five Below. My girls really love this store. You can buy all junk under five dollars and uh, pretty good concept. And uh, I saw a, a, a card that just stopped me in my tracks. When I read this card, like, I had a laugh that just, just, busted out. And people looked at me in the aisles, I think, and they're like, calm yourself down, man. Nothing can be that funny. And my kids even said, you're like, Dad, I don't think I've ever seen you laugh that hard. Like, ever. And um, I don't know if you've ever been there with like a birthday card or something humorous. I debated on whether to share my sense of humor with you. Is that okay if I do? You want to see the card? Okay, so, so thank you. So I'm going to set it up a little bit. When my parents come, we usually play hangman. And, and that's a great thing to do, especially if you're like waiting for a meal to come, you know, or the napkin or whatever, and so we had different words. And, uh, you know, certain things going. So this was the hangman theme, and uh, let's see if uh, you guys get it. Um, if you can complete this birthday puzzle, something special will be in store for you. Now, you're looking at this, you're thinking of the occasion, and what would you guess it says? Yeah, and so you can imagine my surprise when it said... And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, just the thought of sending this to your father, I mean, it just, it just got me going. I don't know if that's disrespectful. I hope it's not against the fourth commandment. But anyway, it just, it just really cracked me up. And so, so I did send the card. And, um, and I, I put some sentimental things in there, too. Um, but it was just really nice to enjoy just like a good, hearty laugh, you know? And um, when's the last time you had such a laugh? When was the last time? Maybe, you know, you had a, a kid say something that was just off the wall. or You have a friend with a funny bone. Could be a YouTube video, right? And laughter we see has tremendous benefit for our lives. It does. I, I was reading some research done by the Mayo Clinic, and this is what they had to say about the medical benefits of laughter. Just a few things. Um, first, it can help boost your immune system. So if you're feeling sick, maybe the reason is you haven't laughed enough lately. Or, or it can help your organ function. I don't even know how that's possible or why, but I guess it does that. Uh, it relieves tension. So instead of uh, seeing a masseuse, maybe you should find that friend with the funny bone and, and you could be better off. It relieves pain. Um, finally, it releases endorphins, which can make your mood better. So if you struggle with depression or struggle with anxiety, laughter really is the best medicine. And what I think is that laughter matters. It matters how much we laugh. But then I came across some other research that indicated a problem. And it's a problem especially if you're an adult. Some studies were done and they said that if you're a four-year-old, you may laugh as much as 300 times a day. And if you're a 40-year-old, you laugh about four times a day. I was referenced by psychology uh, today and uh, it just made me stop in my tracks. And, and so part of me thinks that maybe we should all just pause, go into the fusion room, observe those creatures and see what's different, you know, because we need some of that, right? You know, and, uh, and it struck me because I don't know if you know this, like some people are just more serious and some people are more funny and I tend to just be like a serious uptight guy. So, so I just, I just related to me and, and, and then I, I have all explanations, you know, like uh, you just don't get all the pressures and responsibilities of life. You know, and kids, and a job, and, and things that happen. And, and you'd be serious, too, if you were in my shoes, and all this. And maybe you can relate to what I'm saying. And I wonder if, if you, like I, would like to get a little bit of laughter back. And if you do, if any of this struck you, and you'd say, yeah, I'd love to laugh more, I'd love to be a little bit sillier, I'd love to have a better time. Well, I hope this is the message that speaks into your life. Because here's what I believe. Laughter has less to do, in my mind, with uh, comedian specials and YouTube videos and joke books. And it has more to do with what's going on in our spirit, particularly how we translate the life events that are going on. In fact, here's a goal for today. This is what I want to be our goal, that we should interpret life's events through a godly lens, and that will affect our laughter. That will affect our laughter. Grammatical people, did I get the right effect in there? Or is it affect, defect? I, I don't know. I always get that wrong. But anyway, um, as we put a godly lens to whatever scenario, hopefully that will get us to laugh more. Because here's the truth. There are two sides to every scenario. There are two different interpretations that could be taken, and maybe even more, as we choose again to pick out the godly version of the story. Well, I learned this because we were studying about Abraham and and we're in the the fifth week of Abraham, so we're going to get into it. And um, they have an event happen. And and here's what's going on. God shows up and he says, you're finally going to get the the child that was promised. This is 24 years later when he promised the child first. Abram was 75 when he was gotten the promise. Now he's 99 when he hears the child is coming. That's a long time to wait. Sarah the same has been waiting 24 years. Now when they hear the news... They both laugh. They have the same reaction, but they're on radically different wavelengths. The the reason they laugh is radically different, and that's what we're going to talk about. That radically different interpretation. So let's get into our story. We're first going to take a look at Sarah. And Sarah is unfortunately our bad example for today. Um, I'll set up the context. The angels show up at the tent of Abraham and they show tremendous hospitality and and they give him a meal And, and one of the angels happens to be God and says again, you're gonna have a child. What we're gonna do is we're gonna jump into the story at verse 10. So look at verse 10 with me. We're gonna skip right to verse 10. It said, then one of them said, and this is God, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind them. Abram and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I really have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord or too marvelous for him? I will return at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid. So she lied and said, I didn't laugh. God cuts right through it, but he said, yeah, you laughed. (laughs) I love that. Just candid, like I'm not going to dance with you. You know, I'm God anyway, so yeah, you did it. Anyway. um, So we're going to take again a look at why Sarah was laughing. We're going to take a look at Abraham's response and hopefully learn, again, how to interpret things through a godly lens, okay? I was watching a comedian's uh, little YouTube video, speaking of comedians, and it was a comedian who was talking about the difference between the doorbell ringing at home 20 years ago versus the doorbell ringing at home today. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? This is a good one. This is a good one. So let me just freshen up everyone who hasn't seen this one. Um, 20 years ago, if your doorbell rang, here's some of the things that would happen. Usually, you'd get excited. You would turn on the lights. You'd maybe rush to the door. If the kids were wearing socks, you'd slide. You wouldn't even check through the window or the peephole. You'd just swing that door right open because you had company. Sometime you would invite them in and say here is our living room because that's what a living room is for, I guess. I don't know. Um, But anyway, and you might even have some Sara Lee crumble cake or have some coffee and you'd be like, we have guests. And if the phone rang, because there weren't cell phones, you'd say leave the phone. We have company. That's how important it was. Now it's today. I don't know what your household is like, but when the doorbell rings in our house, we don't turn on the lights, we turn them off. We don't scramble, we duck. We tell the kids to hide, and if you do have to move, you army crawl so that they hopefully don't see you through the window. Sometimes you're afraid, and so you grab whatever will protect you. If you have a bat, you grab a bat. If it's a steak knife, it's a steak knife, because you don't know who's at the door anymore, right? And you hope that you can get through this experience without any awkwardness or casualties in the mix. In fact, when you do have guests, isn't it true that they usually call you or they text you and say, we're in the driveway, can we approach? You know, it, this was the comedian and he just nailed it on the head, right? And so it's the same event, right? the doorbell ringing, but two radically different interpretations of that same event. Here's what's going on. God showed up first to Abraham in a chapter that we missed. In chapter 17, first he shows up to Abraham, changes his name. That's when he gets from Abram to Abraham, which is a change of exalted father to father of many nations. And then he hears at age 99, you're going to be a dad. Look at Abraham's reaction. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? My goodness, Well, Sarah really bear a child at the age of 90? Now, there's a little bit of guessing involved here, a little bit of conjecture. But because he wasn't rebuked, we believe that this is maybe a laughter of trust. This is a laughter of amazement, a laughter of wonder. Like, God, you are like too cool and too awesome. I can't believe you'd have a 100-year-old man have a child, right? Similar uh, for today, it's kind of like if you've ever been to Disney World and you get the wristbands and you're going to tell the kids you're going to Disney World or something like that. And they open the box and you tell them and it's like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. And maybe they scream or they laugh or do something like that. I had a moment similar. um, When we're done with a seminary, eight years of schooling, there's a day called call day. And I'll never forget hearing my name on call day. Dustin Bloomer, mission exploratory to New Lenox, Frankfurt. And in me was a laugh. And it wasn't a bad laugh, but it was kind of like, God, I would have never picked that for myself. But if you think we can do it, let's go. It was one of wonder and one of saying, you again can do it. Amazement at the awe of God. But it's not why Sarah laughs. Look again at her laugh. Sorry, Sarah, we're going to pick on you. Verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself and she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Her laugh is one of cynicism and bitterness, her laugh is one of distrust and saying too little too late. You know it kind of reminds me of if like a husband you know on an anniversary said to a wife, hey honey we're remodeling the kitchen. Excitement happens and yes we're remodeling the kitchen and this is gonna be great and pick out the tiles and the backsplash and now it's black stainless steel right you know and, and go from there yeah it's a great day and then a year goes by, they have an anniversary again and the husband says it again, honey we're remodeling the kitchen. And the wife is a little less happy. so okay, you said that last year. But hey, I'm in it. Hey, let's do it. The third year. Remodeling the kitchen. How does the wife feel? Fourth year, fifth year, sixth year, 24th anniversary, right? And, and now it's again, we're remodeling the kitchen tomorrow. And the wife is like, come on. Too little, too late. Is it really going to happen? 24 years have gone by. That's where Sarah's at. A laugh of cynicism, distrust. Too little, too late. So let's apply it to our lives. How do you interpret the events of your life? This matters greatly. And it will matter based on how joyful you are and how much laughter you have. I want to set up just a few scenarios and think of the different responses you might have to some common scenarios. So let's interpret a few. I lost my job. Now, one spirit of bitterness and cynicism could say, see, nothing ever goes my wake. And I'm always struggling to make ends meet, and I'll never make it. I'll never be on top. I can't rely on anything. A heart of trust could say, I wonder what door God's going to open for me now. Because he's promised to provide, and he hasn't failed me yet, so let's go, even though I don't know the future. What about this one? Got a new car. Now, usually that's a good thing. Um, but but let's say um, it's a it's a cynicism let's say yeah because the rust bucket I was driving finally conked out and I can't imagine how long I had to put up with that thing you didn't even know the stories and what was going on with it and I didn't get a new car my friends. No, I just got a new used car as completely different right you know it's one attitude or you could say man grace I can't believe I had the previous car so long I didn't have car payments yo that was awesome right? You know, I had some rust on him. I don't care, you know. And now I got this new, grace, grace, he's just gracious. I got a new car. What about this one? I lost him. And I don't know what that means. Maybe it's a light example, like an animal, you know, a pet, a dog. Um, Maybe it's people who are moving. Uh, Maybe it's someone who is called to heaven. And at one end, you could say, man, this this just hurts too much, and I miss him. And I don't understand why and why do we just have these seasons with people and I don't don't get it and just it hurts too much. I don't think I can handle it, Lord. Or you could say, Lord, our relationship is going to take front and center stage, isn't it? Because I don't have them and I need you. It's an opportunity to grow close to you, isn't it? See, interpretation matters, doesn't it? And there are two different sides to every story. Can I let you into my life? This is what happens. On Sundays is where it happens. And on Sundays we can have great days, and we can have baptisms, and we can have, you know, great music, and we can have uh, people who are visiting, which I'm always geeked out about visitors. Thank you for being here. And people who may have heard the gospel for the first time, which just totally ramps me up. And yet, when I get home, you know what the devil has me thinking about? All the things that went wrong didn't happen. Did I really say that? Didn't respond well there. Man, why aren't you a better pastor? All these things. And here's what I figured out. That what we focus on determines our feeling. And the reason I say my story is so hopefully you say about your story. Because I know the same is true in your life. In every part of your day, there is an interpretation going on and you can either pick out the good things that happened, and you can pick out all the, the, the grace that was evident, or you can focus on all the negative, and you can focus on all the things that didn't go right, and what you choose to focus on will determine your feeling. That's why I think God gave us such great directives. In Philippians chapter 4, after he just said rejoice, have laughter, be joyful, he then said this, didn't he? He said, so fill your minds, the focus determines feeling. Fill your minds with whatever's true. We're going to do that today. And whatever's noble, we're going to fill our minds with that today. And right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about such things. If you want your laughter back, what I believe God is saying is pick out the positive. Do it radically. Do it intentionally. Plan to do it in your day. Some people I know have thanks journals. I think that's really cool if you're a journal person. Write down, remember the the grace of God that happened on that day. I I know you like to-do lists. This is your to-do list. you got to figure this out. How are you going to pick out the positive? This is the to-do list. Some of you are talkers. And, And I don't know about you, but we give news reporters a bad time, don't we? I don't know how many you read the news and like, yeah, they just always are miserable and I don't read the news anymore. They just report on all what's wrong. How often do we do that with our own lives, beating up those news reporters? How often is the news that you're sharing with others, the bad, the the not so good? We need to fill our conversations with all the good things that have happened too. We need to report on the good. If you're a talker, talk about it. If you're contemplative, then meditate about such things. Figure out a way. We can focus on the positive. You know, uh, Sarah was called to the carpet because she didn't. Let's look again at verse 13. It said, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I didn't laugh. But he said, Yeah, you did laugh. I wonder how many times God looks down at us and says, you asked for the kid and now you're complaining about him? You asked for the job, I gave it to you and now you're complaining about him? You asked for the car and the house and now the, the, the problems there? What, what, what am I supposed to do with you? Are you going to pick out the positive or are you going to focus always on the negative? I tell you, I want to be done with the complaining spirit to the Lord. I want to leave that here and do whatever I can to fill my conversation and my heart with his goodness and his grace. Because the reality is, he gave us the lens on this earth. He said, not every day will be a bed of roses. Not every day will be hunky, hunky-dory. He said, Jesus, in this world you will have trouble. And we know why it is. If you're a Christian, you know why. It's because of sin. Adam and Eve sinned. We've carried on that sin. And what does sin bring? Sin brings many curses. It brings death, chaos to creation. It means decay for our bodies. You can't escape it. It means decaying our relationships. All these things happen because of sin. So no, we're not going to have ever a perfect life. But grace will be there. That I promise you. God says no matter what you go through, I go with you. God says no matter how cursed your life feels, I bore the true curse once for all so you don't even have to taste the full amount of suffering. I have forgiven your sins and set you free. Christians, I want to call you. We should understand this perspective, that the world is miserably broken because of sin, but our God is the only one offering hope and healing. Set your minds on Him. Remember His goodness. And set your expectations. See, if sin and grace sets the course of our salvation, so I think there is sin and grace in every circumstance of our life. And you can either focus on, again, the sin and the brokenness of what just went on, or you can focus on the grace of what's happening right now. It's your choice. Pick the positive. Pick the grace. So now we've got to fill our minds. And are you ready to fill your minds with the true and the noble and the admirable? If you are, just say, Yep. Yep. Me too. That's why I came. I want some joy. So let's do it. And, and first of all, I want to talk. This this story is just funny. Right? There's a hundred-year-old dude who's gonna be a father. Like that's funny. I, it reminds me of what we do for hundred-year-old people as we get into Abraham's. You know what we do? The only thing I can think of is we do this. You make the schmucker's jar. Don't know what else you make, right? So Zelma Trafton, you know, there we go. Or I got a, I got a dude up here. Ralph Cohen, way to go. He made it to hundred. Now, I've been watching a little bit of the Olympics. Can you imagine? I was trying to think of the equivalent of a 100-year-old having a child. I think one of the equivalents is, like, if a 100-year-old was, like, on the Olympic team. So, like, let's consider, like, Zelma is, like, the the last leg of the relay for swimming. It's not LeDecki. The Zelma's going to go in, and she's got it, guys, you know, and the the hope of the team. That'd just be crazy, right? Or or let's say, you know, uh, Ralph, he's going to be part of the dream team. Do we still call it that? I don't know. But instead of Kevin Durant, there's Ralph dunking over people, Right? Like, that is the equivalent of a a dude having a baby. I was considering this even with moms. I know there's some moms in the building, you know, and kids too, which is awesome. Can you imagine if, like, your grandmother or great-grandmother called you and said, hey, I don't know what to expect, what I'm expecting, you know, can you help me out? Or, hey, when this child comes, I'd really like to set up a play date. Thanks, great-grandmom. Yeah, we'll get together. (laughs) Set up the baby date. Like, that's just an impossibility That that is crazy, and yet God did it because he's that cool, right? You know, I, I love that. I love that about our God, because what I've seen about God, he's the God of the impossible. He says crazy, impossible scenarios. They're nothing to me, because my son, he came into the world. Everyone thought he was dead. They placed him in a tomb. They sealed it with a really big rock, and then three days later, he came to life, and no one had seen it before. Three days later, he takes life upon himself. He is the resurrected Savior. You see, impossible is not a big deal for God. I was reading my Bible, and the story about the King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah and the Israelites, they were besieged by the Assyrians. And it seemed like the end of the road for, for King Hezekiah and the Israelites. And they just prayed to God. And the Assyrians, they kept mocking God, which isn't a good thing to do. And, and God heard their prayer and sent down a, an, an angel and just devastated the camp so won the battle and they didn't do a thing but pray. That's the God of the impossible. And you're saying, well, that's what Jesus did and that's what they had, but what's in it for us? Dear friends, I want to end our moments today by considering the impossible things God did for us. Let's do it. Let's wrap our minds. Let's not forget these things. One of my favorites is found in Ephesians chapter 2, an impossibility that God did for you. Ephesians says, as for you, at one time, this is all of you, this is all of us. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, but because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's been grace you've been saved. This kind of made me think about physical life and and, and what we do for reads of alive and dead and remind me of like the heart monitor at the hospital and and, and get you going. You know, if you've ever heard that beep and, and what happens to signal dead, I just thought I'd get this in the minds. Heart monitor sound effect. That's loud. Anyway, what I see is that we were deep. And then all of a sudden deep, 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 and then deep, deep, and then deep, deep, and then deep, deep, and then deep deep. Can you deep deep with me? Deep, 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 deep. And the church which was dead, he said, come alive. That's what I did for you. We should rejoice that once we had no hope for salvation. We were on a path to destruction. But God says, death doesn't matter to me. No, I raise things all the time. And if you are spiritually dead, I raise you right now. In fact, if you're listening, this gospel is enough to make you alive right now. That even though you might be feeling, he can make the deep, deep possible. And that's going to happen continually as we walk with God and hear his word. That's amazing. But there's more one of the passages that you'll always hear being an amazing love if there's one passage it's Romans 5 verse 8 and I love this passage it says while we were sinners Christ died for us while we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son and this is crazy love this is amazing love this this is transcendent love this is unimaginable love this is a love that is it's just impossible Because we can't relate to it. When we think of people in ISIS, when we think of pedophiles, or murderers, or take your pick, I don't know. We're like, I can barely tolerate. I have a hard time handling. But what you're saying is when we were the equivalent, you gave your life? That's impossible. It's impossible. He loved us when we were unlovable. That's amazing. And so how much does he love us today if we are called the children of God? Fill your mind with such a thing. There's more. Anyone watch the opening ceremonies the Olympics? Okay, yeah, good things. And uh, one of the things that I was struck by was the Brazilian National Anthem. Anyone see that? Brazilian National Anthem. And, and, and it struck me because usually when I consider a national anthem, it's very provost, it's very loud. It's like, oh, see, can you see? Or like, oh, Canada, or the Russian one, that one's really strong. But anyway, if you saw the National Anthem for Brazil, he like picked up the guitar, very strumming softly, very smooth. He looked like a grandfatherly type. I got a picture of him. Here he is. And then he just started singing, oh, so softly and smoothly. Smoosh, 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 smoosh. I didn't know what he was saying, but it sounded like smoosh, smoosh. And he was just smoosh, 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 smoosh. And I'm like, in every other song, it's like some battle cry, but this is like a love song right? He's like smooshing, smooshing, and, and, and then I looked into the words a little bit, you know, is this really a love song? Well, look at some of the lyrics. A lyric said, oh beloved idolized homeland, hail, hail Brazil, an intense dream of vivid ray, of love and hope descends to earth. Thou art beautiful, thou art strong, an impavid colossus, and that means fearless, but I don't know how to pronounce it, and um, so it was a love song, and, and it made me think of Sometimes we have that kind of emotion for our country as we watch the games. We just love being Americans. Go, get them. Go get them. Let's get the gold, right? And we sing, oh, say, can you see. Maybe it's a little bit more stoic, but it is out of love. Do you know God does that? Fill your mind with this thought from Zephaniah. Here it is. He will take great delight in you. You need to know that. You've been walking around too long saying, God doesn't delight in me. You've been walking around too long saying, I didn't get it right, and so he must not be happy. You've been walking around too long with guilt and shame, and he says, you got it all wrong. Through Jesus, I delight in everything about you. I delight in who you are. And so what I love to imagine, and what will cause me to laugh, is to imagine God singing love songs about us. Right? Don't you just want to imagine like the Heavenly Father picking up a guitar and being like, You are so beautiful (laughs) to me, right? Saying I love you, it's not the way, right? I want to think about that. Like, God, right now you're just singing in heaven like, I'm beautiful. Yeah, because of Jesus, silly one. But anyway, yeah, you are beautiful and it's all good. And why don't we think about such things? I think that's reason for laughter. And there's more. Last one, you know, there is an impossibility called eternity. And I don't comprehend eternity yet, but God said he put eternity in my heart. And then he said, until eternity comes, this is what Jesus is doing for me and for you and all who believe. He said in John 14, he says, my father's house had many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you I'm going to prepare. Can you say that with me? Prepare a place for you. And, And have you ever remodeled something? And you got to pick out the tile and everything else, and the paint colors, and the backsplash. And I just love thinking about the, the the idea that God is right now creating my dream home. Right? And maybe he's, like, following our discussions of, like, favorite color. Like, maybe it's the little kids, and there's a little girls' favorite color is pink. He's like, angels, got to get it pink. Let's get pink on the walls. We're going to make heaven pink today. And then they go through that, like, goth period. It's black now. Uh, change it to black. I hope it comes back. And then she goes, college is blue. We got it blue. And, and, and he's just taking orders. And you like hockey. We're playing hockey up there. And you like video games. We got games. We got the old NES. Don't worry about it. And, and he's just taking orders because I love thinking about this, that he's building my dream home. I think about that I have reason for joy and laughter. Your season of suffering is marked. Your season of joy has no end. Don't forget it. Don't ever forget it. So how do we not forget? Well, God gave something to Abraham and Sarah so that they would never forget. In fact, when this child came, he would have a special name. When Abraham laughed out of trust and belief, God showed up and he said this. He said, yes, your wife will, Sarah will bear you a son and you are called Isaac. And does anyone know what Isaac means? Laughter. It was literally as if they were saying laughter every time they said the name of their child. So was the Hebrew language. So laughter, come in for dinner. Laughter, play nice with your friends. Laughter, you know, it's bedtime. Laughter, come on. Every time they'd reference the name, they'd remember the crazy impossibility of having a child at 100 years old and 90 years old and what this meant. How are we going to remember? Think of something. I don't know if it's a t-shirt that will help you record I don't know if it's some decals. At the Bloomer House, we pick some of our favorite passages and we put them on the wall so we don't forget. I don't know if it's a post-it note. Maybe it's one of those little wristbands. Kids, you might have to ask your parents, but maybe it's a tattoo. I don't know. How are you going to remember the good things that God has done? Because when you do, you will have reason for joy and laughter. And may God so work that in your heart. May you interpret your circumstance through the lens of grace. Amen. Please stand.